Welcome to the weekly Unpacking It Facebook Live podcast, where we unpack the very latest in sports, faith, and life. Now, from Charlotte, North Carolina, from his mouth to your ears, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It Live podcast. I'm Bryce Johnson with Luke Heaton, Henry Bienamine, Chris Allison. We're here for the next hour to unpack sports, faith, and life with the Unpacking It community of sports fans. And so we are so grateful. You are with us, either live or all of our loyal podcast listeners as well. Thank you so much for listening. And you may say, wait, it's Tuesday. Where were you yesterday? Sorry about that. It was uh, it was unfortunate, kind of a, it was a major emergency at the Johnson household. Uh, as many of you know, Jody is is pregnant, and, and thankfully uh, everyone is okay at this point, but yesterday – uh, her heart rate, Jody's, went up to 216, which is just unbelievable. And she's just, you know, sitting there at, at the house. Uh, and so that's maybe a rate that if you're running around, uh, you could get to. But uh, but anyway, her heart, heart is going nuts. And so we had to go to the emergency room yesterday morning uh, and stayed there for a good part of the day. Uh, very scary, but uh, she is doing well. The, the doctors were able to get the heart to calm down and, and she does have uh, just kind of a, a concern with that when she's pregnant uh, that, that this type of episode can happen. And so, uh, so anyway, that, that it's sad, it's tough, it's, it's challenging, but thankfully uh, she is okay and she can get through it. Um, so that was, that was where we were yesterday. So we are here on Tuesday doing our normal Monday show uh, for some of you, maybe checking us out live for the first time. Glad to have you here. Uh, we're going to talk about the NFL draft we will talk about some of the big NFL storylines taking place following the draft. And then how about the Aaron Rodgers news that took place moments before the draft, basically, and it kind of hijacked some of the, the story of the draft as well. Uh, so we'll get into that. Uh, lots of reaction from the weekend. And, and also during the Unpack This segment, we will do uh, NFL draft grades, but talk about how NFL draft grades relate to our lives and, and our faith journeys and our view of God. And, and so we'll have a little fun with that and, and this idea that all these experts uh, throw out their grades moments after the draft. Moments after players are drafted, instant reaction, instant grades. And, and so, uh, so we'll, we'll get into that uh, in just a little bit. Before we do, I'm convinced and we say good morning to the guys. Let me ask you this. Do you need to get your own health insurance? We'll go to healthmarketgenius.com. Know your options, healthmarketgenius.com. Support them as they support us. Luke Heaton is coming to us from Texas. He is with us. Luke, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Bryce. It is uh, great to be here on this lovely Tuesday. I uh, am fresh off another wedding from the weekend. Very, very different from the one uh, two weekends. It's wedding season with the dawn. It is wedding season, but excited to chop it up with you guys this morning. Well, I know you love the NFL draft, so I'm excited to hear some of your thoughts and 
your Cowboys found themselves in an interesting position in the first round and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and same with the Panthers. And so in just a couple of moments, we'll actually be joined by the biggest Panther fan that I know. So he's a bigger fan than, than I am. And he was at the draft. He was on stage. He was with Roger Goodell. And so we will get his thoughts on all of it, and, and he'll, he'll tell us all about the experience. And so I'm waiting for him to call in in, in just a moment. And before we, uh, we, we, we bring him on, Luke, I'm going to tell you what I'm convinced of, and then you can tell us what you're convinced of after the, uh, the call with Shane. And, and so here's what I'm convinced of. I'm convinced that it is really, really hard to follow your dad into the NFL, to be the son of a professional athlete and actually make it to that level. However, if a guy can get there, it is absolutely impressive. And I've got a good bit of confidence that that player can end up having a nice career if he gets there. And and so you you can look across the board. There are multiple examples of, you know, sons of players in the NFL and how they, you know, how they 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 pan out. Uh, but this year in the draft, I'm convinced that it's one of the great storylines from this year's draft that we saw at least three guys who's who who were drafted uh, that that their dad also played in the league. And so, of course, my my Carolina Panthers they took J.C. Horn, whose father is Joe Horn. And and here's what I love about this story that. As And here's why I guess I think it's so difficult to actually make it. Because many NFL players, the reason that they make it to the league is because they are so hungry, they're so passionate, they've got the skills, and, that, and a lot of guys have skills, but to, to actually you know maximize those skills and, and have the drive to get there, if you're the son of an NFL player and things are handed to you and you grow up you know, you know, living, the, living the high life, you're not motivated. You're not motivated to get to the NFL. But what Joe Horn did for J.C. Horn, I was reading about it, he put him in the, the league where it wasn't you know the nice fields, it wasn't all the nice equipment. J.C. Horn was playing as a little kid in, in maybe a, you know, a more difficult league as far as you know, it's not all the, 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 the advantages, so to speak. And that's why he's hungry. That's part of the drive. And so I love that about J.C. Horn. And so at at first, I wasn't convinced of the Panthers pick. But now, a few days later, I'm coming around on it. And and part of it is because his dad played in the NFL, didn't make it easy for him. And now he does have that blueprint of what it takes to actually last in the NFL. Joe Horn had a nice career. He was a very good receiver with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, I think he finished his career with the Falcons. And so J.C. Horn is coming in with confidence. He's coming in with an understanding of what the NFL life is like and the good, the bad, lessons learned, all that. He's got his dad in his corner. And, and so, and, and, and again, things weren't handed to him. Now, you can look at the, you know, the Manning brothers. They were almost the, 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 the mode or the process, and they, they fit into this uh, factory of producing quarterbacks. So that's one route to go, right? I don't know how easy or hard it was for them growing up. I'm, I'm sure there were certain things that, that made it easier being Archie Manning's son, uh, especially with both of them you know, getting the league and now having Hall of Fame careers. Uh, Eli questionable, but probably we'll get into the Hall of Fame. And so it's just a, it's a, a fascinating thing to, uh, to, 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 to keep up with and notice where, where, how many guys actually 
are sons of, of NFL players. It's very rare. Uh, but then this year to, uh, to see uh, Asante Samuel, uh, his son made it. And then Sertan, Patrick Sertan, uh, also uh, th- both those guys were, were drafted. So, uh, so I'm excited uh, about J.C. Horn. And, and I think there's a guy on the line right now who's even more excited than me. And so I'm excited to, to bring on to the show right now a good friend of mine, a supporter of Unpacking It, part of the Unpacking It community. He was representing the Panthers and in some ways representing Unpacking It at the draft this year. His name is Shane Triplett, and he's going to tell us the story about how he ended up there. It's remarkable. Shane, good morning. How are you, man? Good morning. Hey, good to talk to you. Hey, great to have you, buddy. And and so first off, tell us how you ended up at the draft, sitting in the commissioner's chair on stage, but it began uh, a short few weeks ago for this opportunity even to present itself. Yeah, so um, last year, uh, people who watched the draft last year will remember that uh, Goodell did his draft virtually from his basement, and each team, uh, when they were up to pick, they had fans on the TV behind them. Um, so uh, me and my family were one of the ones that participated in that, and that was organized by each individual team to, to recruit people. And so I just I thought when uh, when I saw that each team was going to get to have ambassadors at the draft this year, I thought, well, you know, I'll reach out to the person that coordinated that last year, and I I did that, and I just happened to have a couple spots um, that they were looking to fill. So um, just by sending an email and having a conversation, uh, ended up getting to go. And, uh, yeah, it was insane to get to go participate in that. Well, so not only did you get to participate, but they, they paid for you to go. You were taken care of, right? Yeah. I had, I had planned to drive and, uh, I'd already reserved a hotel, but then they, they offered to, to pay for our hotel. They booked our flights for us and, uh, yeah, just, it, we were really taken care of and, uh, they're definitely a first class organization. I, oh my goodness. I love it. And, and so you were able to take one of our good buddies, Mike Coulter, uh, with you. And, and so you guys were able to experience it. And, and so many years over the years, I've watched the draft with Shane and Mike, and these guys are diehard draft guys, uh, much more so than, than me, but they're also diehard Panthers fans. And so there you were at the draft representing in Cleveland. And, and so Take us into the experience. What was it like, especially the, the first round, and then and then take us into uh, what it turned out like for, throughout the weekend. Yeah, it was it was really surreal just walking into the draft theater. You know, it's it feels so much bigger than it does on TV when you walk in. Wow! And the lights, the you know, they have screens everywhere, you know, showing graphics and and whatnot. But um, it felt really exclusive to be like in that, in that team group where each team had only 12 people on the floor. And so that, that creates a, just a, just an awesome atmosphere just with each team and being able they were grouped by division. So we were sitting next to the other NFC South team representatives and uh, yeah. And the, the first round seeing the, the prospects that were able to come on stage was really cool. Um, seeing them come out and, uh, the drama it was I, I still come am kind of at a loss for words of, of how awesome it was <laughs> well, um, and it was your birthday last week I mean you were living the dream and and then so you ended up uh actually meeting Roger Goodell and being able to take a picture with him so what was that like 
Yeah, so after the first round was over, um, people were kind of clearing out, and I, we were about to leave, and I kind of noticed there was a crowd forming down right in front of the stage, and I was like, oh, right, Roger Goodell came down to take some pictures. And we, we walked over and got in line. Like Most people had already started to leave, so waited a few minutes and got to meet him and say hello and take a picture. That was that was really awesome. And he was still there throughout the rest of the, the time too. So he was definitely being really good with the fans and coming around meeting people, taking pictures. It seemed like all three days. Oh. So he was, yeah, I think people used to have kind of a certain opinion of him. That's why he was originally booed it used <laughs> to be when he came on stage, but now it's almost more endearing. It's a I great think. tradition. It's a great tradition. I love it. Every time start, start off the draft, booing the commissioner. It's great. Yeah. Well, so then uh, over the weekend, you were able to get on stage and actually sit in his recliner that, that he had last year uh, during the draft in his basement, which ended up being a pretty funny, clever idea and then a, a pretty sweet experience for you. I mean, how did you end up getting there and, and what was the pick that you got to be up there for? Yeah, so uh, they, uh, they, a league rep would come by before each team was up to ask, you know, to try to get somebody to go up on stage and sit in the chair. And so it was just kind of ended up getting lucky and it being my turn to, to go do it. Um, and so I went up there and, and sat and uh, Kemp Rasmussen came out uh, to make the pick for the Panthers. He used to play defensive end back in the nineties for us. Um, so it was cool to get to, to chat with him for a minute. And uh, yeah. And uh, uh, Terrace Jefferson was the pick from LSU, the receiver, um, I, which I think was an awesome value pick. Uh, I knew it was a need going in and, you know, getting to to see that, and I stood next to him as they dropped down the screen. Actually, I don't I don't think you can really see that on TV, but the virtual prospects they would drop a screen down in front of the podium after they were selected, and you could see the player there with their family celebrating. And so, me and and Kemp stood next to each other while they did that, and kind of welcomed them to the league, basically. And then uh, once that was done, we walked off together and chatted for a minute. So, oh, I love it, man. That is so cool. And you've got the, the pictures and video to show, show it and, and remember it. And, and so, man, I know you're such a big fan and, and I'm thrilled that you got to experience it and, and appreciate you uh, joining us on unpacking it to, to share with our listeners what the experience was like. Cause uh, man, we're a community of sports fans. And, and so when, when one of us experienced something cool, we, we we're happy for you, man. So, uh, gosh, just, just incredible. So appreciate it, buddy. Um, yeah. And shout out to the, the hall of famers that were there too. They were fun to see. You got to fist bump Bernie Kosar on the, on day three too. So that was, you know, legend like he is. That was pretty cool too. Especially in Cleveland. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, All Shane. Right. Well, you better get to your work meeting, but thanks for uh, squeezing us in today. No problem. All thanks. right, man. All right. Appreciate yeah. it. We'll see you. All right. There's, there's my buddy Shane joining us here on unpacking it. And uh, that was awesome. So cool. So when he, honestly, when he texted me and told me that he was going to the draft and that the Panthers were covering everything, I go, that doesn't sound right. Like that seems too good to be true. And I, part of me was like, wait, is he getting duped? Is this really going to happen? And sure enough, it did. Sure enough, it did. And it ended up being, I think even better than, than anticipated. Uh, especially being able to get there up, uh, up, get on stage in the recliner. I mean, how cool was so that? Cool. So I'm sitting in my the chair. recliner at home. He's up so on weird. his recliner at the draft with with Roger Goodell and all that. So, uh, so pretty cool. But uh, Luke, what do you think, man? How you doing? Yeah. And we got to hear what you're convinced of today as well. Yeah, and I love that. It was so funny. Now. Before we we brought Shane on, uh, 
we were talking about players that had you know sons and fathers in the NFL, and so just a couple other names to throw out there. You know, Mike Golick Sr., Mike Golick Jr., Randy and Thaddeus Moss, and 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 we'll continue to add those names throughout the morning. Uh, just be, and I'm curious which ones jump out to you. Like, I think of Walter Payton, his son Jarrett Payton, who was a guest on Unpacking It, didn't have a great career, uh, but still you know made it and 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 played uh, in the NFL. I think he was with the Titans. Um, and so the you know Chris Sims, Phil Sims. To me, even getting there, I think is actually harder because I think it's harder for that next generation to, to work hard enough to get to the NFL. You've got to have the drive and the hunger to do it uh, just beyond the talent. Because growing up, you're always thinking, oh, well, this kid, oh, he's the son of this player. He's, he's probably really good. Well, no, you still have to work at it. Like it just doesn't naturally, you know, you naturally, you get some natural ability, God given ability. And then, you have to go out and practice and, and show up and, and you can't just, you know, stand there and say, oh yeah, here I'm, I'm Randy Moss's son. I can catch. Okay. Well, yeah, no, that's good. <laughs> you got to actually, you gotta, gotta actually do it. So, uh, so anyway, so three guys uh, in this year's draft, that was one of my favorite, favorite storylines. Yeah. So I think it's hilarious watching the draft. Goodell comes out and he, I mean, yeah, it's like Shane was saying, he just gets hated on. He's telling, come on, Cleveland, come on, come on. And it's just crickets. <laughs> And it was just like so brutal. And then this, all right, yeah, welcome to the 2020, 2021 NFL draft where each pick, someone gets to sit in my chair. And I'm like, okay, come on. Like, it, it's certainly cool. Like, I, I mean, I would have done it. I would have for sure done it hands down, but it's just so funny how it was phrased. You can sit in my chair that I dropped in. You can throw from last year's basement. Um, so that was cool. I think. What I'm convinced of is this was the most exciting NFL draft that I can remember because Absolutely. it was because it was so unique and different. One, having the draft back, people in person, was really exciting. Yep. And two, it, it it wasn't a unique draft in that every, uh, many picks in the first round was a complete question mark. It could have gone many different ways. The third pick, there was narratives for Mac Jones. There was narratives for Trey Lance. Narratives for Justin Fields. Like we it, usually in 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 drafts, there's the clear number one quarterback, and then the number two pick is an absolute beast of a defensive end or pass rusher, and then you kind of get into the corners, or maybe there's a, a clear O lineman, and it kind of follows this pattern. But this year, we went three straight quarterbacks which we weren't exactly sure which quarterbacks those were going to be. There was no perennial defensive lineman pass rusher that was going to go early. There was like it was it was incredible. So as a Cowboys fan going into the draft like there's no all the guys in the radio were like I'm so excited for this draft because for the first time in 10 years I have no clue what is going to happen. What player is going to fall? So we're sitting in Dallas, we're all watching the draft, and we're singing, okay, if J.C. Horn and Sertan go, that is time to panic because mm -hmm. we want a corner. They, of course, go 8-9, and we're sitting at 10, and we're like, oh, my gosh, trade back, trade back, eject, trade back. And we did, and we picked up another top 100 pick. I, I would have, I don't know if I would have picked Parsons, but anyway, I'm convinced this draft was so exciting because there were so many different storylines, so many what-ifs, which just makes it so fun. Absolutely. I, I thought it was it was thrilling. 
And and I'm, I'm I got to share this though. So I absolutely enjoyed the draft. What I saw. So I got to take you back to Thursday night. I've got to get this off my chest because, as you know, I am a diehard sports fan. However, I do have priorities. And let me let me let me even take you back to last week, probably like Tuesday or Wednesday. I told Jody, "Hey, Thursday night is the NFL draft, so I'm going to be watching the the NFL draft." I didn't say it in a mean way. I was just like, "Yeah, Thursday night, I'm going to watch the draft." That's kind of what I got going on. So we'll you know try to work dinner around that type of thing. Yep. Well, she was cool. No problem. Yeah. I, I was all excited. I, I texted some buddies, you know, oh, yeah, I'm going to have three TVs going. I'll, you know, NFL Network, ESPN, ABC. Oh, yeah. I'll, be in my, I'll be in my own throne in my recliner watching, watching the draft. That's right. That's right. So, <laughs> so Thursday night comes along, all excited, Panthers, top 10 pick. And, and to your point, you know, three quarterbacks going early, all that sort of thing. Yeah. And my, Jody makes me aware, hey, you know, tomorrow night we've got the – we, we got a fun little get together. We're going, we're going to a friend's house. We're going to be cooking out, having a big old time Friday night. Well, we're responsible for making macaroni salad. You know, everybody's got to mm. bring something. You got to contribute. Yeah. So, so it's Thursday night and I'm thinking, okay, wait a second. I'm, I'm, I'm about to watch the draft. What, 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 what is this? We, we speak of the macaroni salad. <laughs> so, so, very so I go upstairs to kind of get ready and, and prepare for the draft. And, and I, I, I'm pretty sure this was the Lord giving me a little nudge. You need to go down and help your wife make some macaroni salad. Mm-hmm. And this is during the draft. It only happens once a year. The, the Panthers aren't always a top 10 pick, but there I was watching the first round of the draft. One of the most exciting first rounds of the draft, peeling eggs, peeling eggs, Hard boiled eggs, picking off the little shells. I'm picking off the shells just to, to, to make this this delicious macaroni salad. And, and and so here's the deal: the Friday event was was my it was my doing. This is my my guys. I was in a group all year long, a mentor group, and okay. so we were getting together to kind of celebrate the, the year that was and and have all the wives you know together. And so here I was. I put it on Jody to to make something macaroni salad. And then I'm thinking, oh, wait, if this is my event, it's in the middle of the draft. I That's still right. need to help. And so anyway, I still watched the draft. It wasn't what I expected as far as being as into it as I had hoped. But those hard-boiled eggs were delicious. And the peeling that I did, I got all those shells off. It was shell-free, baby. Man. It was the salad. But I will say this. We bring it Friday night. It got lost. It got lost no. in the array of food. No. And, I, you know, it's not all about getting credit in life. And God's, God continues to humble me and continue to remove that desire for uh, appreciation and, and whatever, uh, applause. But I would have liked a little shout out on, on the macaroni salad. I, I got no love on the macaroni salad. And uh, I'm not sure, it, it, you know, it doesn't always make it worth it. However, Jody was, was okay with me at that night. So, uh, so that, that made it all worth it. How about that? Gosh, you, you really were, you were playing good husband. So, I, I chose so, to be a husband that night. Yeah. Over so sports it was, fan. Over so sports it was, fan. Uh, that's right. So it was date night for Madeline and me on the, on the NFL draft. It was the only night we could have date night. We have, uh, right now we try to do date night every week. We, we've got the we got the margin for it, so we're going to keep doing date night every week. Thursday nice. was how it lined up. So 
But that should have been blocked out on the calendar. We well, so should the macaroni of, and salad. The yeah, that should have been made on yeah another day. Right. So, so that we compromised. So we went to pick up food and bring it back, and I was able to. I had the radio on driving there, and was able to listen to the draft, and then I was able to watch some before we left to go pick up the food, and then it was on the radio on the way back, and then when we got back. So I, I watched like the first half, the first, yeah, the first half of the first round. And then it was eat and movie time. And then after oh, the movie, movie. oh yeah, movie, can't do a movie. I'm, I'm, I'm not picking shells, but I've got the game on. <laughs> hey, it was date night. I was committed as a husband. It was amazing. Great time with the wife. And then after the movie. I dialed up the radio, rewinded on the radio app, and then listened for nice. two straight hours and got all <laughs> caught up. It was a it was a late night. It was crazy. Like we watched the movie. I was like, babe, love the date night, love the time with you. I felt like it was a great husband, putting away the draft, spending good quality time with the wife, prioritizing her. And then once date night was over, it was to radio and then getting I mean, it was like I was in class was in session. It was time to finish what happened that night, take notes, get everything in. So uh, that's it great. Was, yeah, it was both of us seem to have unique viewing experiences of the draft this year. That's funny. Gosh, that you, yeah, yours was even more of a sacrifice than me. I had I had it on. I just I was uh, finger deep into uh, some uh, some boiled eggs. <laughs> so uh, so anyway, all right. So we we watched the, we watched the, as much as we could. Uh, I ended up watching like. I don't know. It was like the fifth, sixth round on on Saturday afternoon. I finally was able to to get in some some good uh, some good coverage. And, and my boy Daniel Jeremiah, App State guy, he's one of the best. Man, gosh, the coverage on NFL Network. That's the way to go. Rich Eisen, Charles Davis. It was fantastic. But uh, but let's do our our segment. Unpack this. It's a little bit later than uh, than normal in in our show format. But uh, things are things are loose today. It's a Tuesday. Normally we're on a Monday. That's but right. uh, but. But here's what I want to talk about. So <clears throat> during the draft, it's instant response. You know, I mentioned Daniel Jeremiah. Everybody's grading while the game, while the uh, draft is going on. You know, how good of a pick was that? How good is that player? How good is the fit? You know, what uh, what will this team look like with that player now on their roster? And and so it makes sense. Like that, of course, we're watching it as fans. The analysts are are there to respond and. What's so interesting, though, is these are instant reactions, instant responses in the moment. Oh, wow. So San Francisco has Trey Lance. Well, they deserve a, a, a C grade for that, that pick, or they deserve an A grade for that. And it, de- it depends on the perspective and, and who's, who's judging and grading the, the fit and, and the, the scenario and the player and all that sort of thing. And so it's crazy to think all the different opinions and, and perspectives even on certain certain selections what ends up happening is a lot of the teams that got grades of you know a b following the draft mel kuyper's grades todd mcshay's <laughs> grades you know that five years from now 10 years from now th- those players don't pan out it's like wait those are those are not great picks and then the flip side happens people people downplay certain selections and you're like oh i can't believe the team drafted that player with the with a third round pick. I had a a fifth round grade on that guy, and I can't believe he went that early. Or you know, you can't believe this guy slipped. And and so all of that is taking place. 
but but we haven't seen it play out. We we haven't seen how these players play out. And listen, I get it. Like we're it's fun to acknowledge what we thought in the moment. It's that part of the the, the joy of being a fan. I I get it, but but so often guys get an, an F grade or teams get an F grade, and we don't have enough understanding of what's really going on with those those teams because maybe they saw something on film that we couldn't see. Maybe they have three more moves uh, that they're about to make or or free agent signings that they're about to make. Like certain teams get a, a, a you know a D grade because they didn't fill a certain need, and then. Three weeks from now, they're going to be signing somebody. They're going to making a trade. You know, people are criticizing the Denver Broncos. Oh, why'd you pass on a quarterback? You didn't draft a quarterback. You need a quarterback. Well, if they end up with Aaron Rodgers, they win. So we'll talk about Aaron in, in a moment. But okay, so how does this relate to our own lives? So often in life, something happens to us, a circumstance, a situation, news, a phone call, uh, a call into the office, a call home from, from someone at school. Uh, about our kids, you know, whatever it is, and our instant response is, well, that's an F. That's a that's a terrible thing. This is a brutal thing. I can't believe this is happening. This is awful. This is the worst. Why is this happening? I can't believe this is happening. You know, what is God doing? Why is God uh, uh, allowing this? And and those are understandable questions. It's understandable to respond when we hear bad news and frustration and, and difficulty and challenges. They pop up, and and our our instant grade is an F. And and even I will say on the other side of it, sometimes things happen in life where we're like, oh, this is the best thing ever. And it turns out to be even much harder than we thought. It doesn't necessarily yeah. play out as good as we we thought it, it would. Yep. But here's the encouragement today. Either way, sometimes circumstances initially feels like an F grade. Sometimes it feels like an A grade. The good news is God is in control. God's ways are are higher than our ways. His his understanding. His, his uh, ability to orchestrate, his ability to work things together, he's got it. He knows what he's doing. And sometimes we don't know, you know five years down the line, 10 years down the line. Sometimes we're not going to know until eternity. And then we'll go, oh, that's what God was doing. That's what he was, he was up to. That's why that happened. And, and we begin to understand and we, be, we see how things play out. And, and so the instant response, oh, I can't believe this happened. And then we look back three years later, we're like, oh, I'm so thankful that happened. What a great pick. That was a great selection for us, right? That it made, it made a difference in our lives. And so let me share a couple of verses that I kind of alluded to. Uh, but this is, you know, right up there is one of my favorite verses. If you follow unpacking it, I'll be using this verse many, many times more than today. But it's Romans 8, 28. And it says, and we know that for those who love God, for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who, who are called according to his purpose. And so when, when we're called, when we're with him, when we know him, when we love him, he's working things out for our good. He's working things out for his good. He's working things out for other people's good that, that, that ultimately fits into his plans and purposes for this world, for our individual lives. He's orchestrating it all. And, and sometimes the good is changing our character. And, and, and stripping ourselves of ourselves, right? And, and becoming more humble. And, and sometimes it's to, to set something else up down the line. And, and so that's what we have to cling to when the initial grade comes out and we're like, ah, I can't believe this is happening. This is terrible news. Uh, and then in Isaiah 55, 8, 9, this is another reminder 
where uh, the Lord says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And so it's just that reminder that God is God. I am not. I don't know everything. I can't figure it all out. I don't know sometimes where things are heading. I just have to be obedient today. I just have to take the next step. If God's made it clear for me to take the next step, I'm, I'm going to do it. And if he, if he makes it evident, you know, draft this guy, select this guy, right? We do it, and, and then we move forward, and we trust that he's going to work things out and make the next step clear for us. And, and, and he's going to do incredible things behind the scenes as he works for, uh, for our good. And, and so uh, it's just uh, it, it's, a, it's a powerful verse, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. God is good. God is faithful. God loves us so much, more than we could ever comprehend or understand. And, and when we, we cling to that verse, when, when tough things happen, uh, we can respond with hope and confidence, knowing that he is, he is in control and that he is good. So, uh, so you can unpack that today. I hope that's encouragement. And, and so, uh, Luke, why don't you jump in on draft grades and, and how that, that relates to our, uh, our trust in God, God and his uh, power and control. Yeah, draft grades are so fascinating. You're so right. Like, <laughs> from a common sense perspective, impossible to give an accurate draft grade right now because there's so much speculation. Like, even, even just looking at the local market in Dallas, the amount of speculation about Micah Parsons is every possible speculation there is. It's yeah. like, yeah, we know he's a good player, but he also set out last year and he does this well. He doesn't do this well. How's he going to fit in? There's, you can't give an accurate draft grade. But I love, I love your comments on grading things in life. It reminds me of something that encourages me that I have to that I have to remind myself of that I'm convicted of about is hardships or occurrences or events in life dictate our emotions, but they should never dictate our obedience. And mm. of course, that's. We're ne we're always going to fall short of that, but whether something bad happens or something good happens, whatever we however we grade it as an A or an F or a C, whatever, it shouldn't dictate our obedience and our faithfulness to fo in following Jesus. Because mm -hmm. if we allow things to just dictate our obedience, that uh, we couldn't grow in sanctification. Like, it's okay if something affects your emotions, like something makes you sad or a hard thing happens. Man, that seems like like I'm, a, I'm probably going to have to grade that as an F. It's like, man, that's a really hard thing. Or something great happens. Oh, man, that's an A+. Plus. I'm so happy, so happy that happened in my life. I'm so happy I was able to fall into fortune like that. But neither of those things dictate obedience. Whether bad things or good things happen, we still have a call to take up our cross daily to be obedient to follow Jesus and maintain what what truly what is lasting and what matters. So whether it's losing a loved one like I've experienced that mm. that shouldn't dictate my obedience. I'm still mm. called to follow Christ no matter what hard things happen to me. And that's all over the New Testament as Christians are experiencing heavy persecution and the first mm. 300 years following Christ, some heavy waves of persecution, 
Paul is persecuted, Peter, James, there's, there's, people are martyred in the New Testament, but there's nothing on, well, yeah, take a step back, ease off the gas of your obedience while these hard things happen. No, not at all. It's keep pressing forward, keep in your obedience. And when good things happen, when good things happen, celebrate, rejoice, maintain, be steadfast in obedience. So that's what I'm reminded of, because as Christians, we want to grow in maturity and not allow events to just just crush us off course. Like, of course, we want to give ourselves grace, because we're never going to respond perfectly. But whether we have a, uh, an A grade or an F grade for an event, we don't want that to rock us. Just like an NFL franchise, if they if they miss on a pick, they don't want that to determine the success of their franchise. If the entire franchise is riding on we have to get an A-plus on all of these picks, your mm. franchise probably is not in a good spot. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, in our lives, like, if, if, if one bad thing happens and it just totally knocks us off course, like, we need to look inside and be like, okay, what is the status of my relationship with Christ if... How deep one, are the roots? Yeah, yeah, how, yeah, exactly. How deep are the roots? And again, Foundation. not saying perfection is necessary, but still need to do some some evaluation on it. like you're saying how deep are my roots if a d grade or an f grade event totally knocked me off course definitely definitely take some evaluation it's awesome good word from luke and and so yeah so you can unpack that uh this idea of draft grades and and i, I honestly i'm encouraged because uh carolina got very high marks that people people oh. seem to like what I wanted J.C. Horn. I was so upset. So you wanted him. And so I, going back, I actually wanted J- Justin Fields. I, I just thought, man, it's hard to pass on that guy. But I will say that that since that time and just some of the research and, you know, text my buddy with the, the Panthers who went to South Carolina. And so J.C. Horn went to South Carolina. I was like, all right, what's the story? Po- you know, things have just been positive. I've heard positive responses. And and so I'm, I'm all in. But But I'll also go back to this kind of, I'm going to write about this for today's Unpack This. It, it, the idea that when you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterback. And, mm-hmm. and I think in many ways it's true. Because when you have kind of QB controversy, QB competition, it just creates so much tension in the locker room. It's so much better when a franchise is fully behind a quarterback. They go all in on him. They support him. They, they put all the pieces around him. And it's great to have a really good backup that comes in knowing that that is your role. I am a backup. Yep. But when you have Aaron Rodgers and you draft Jordan Love, you got yourself a mess. When you've got uh, Sam Darnold and you just traded some picks for him, hey, just keep him and, and ride it out for the next two years. He's your guy. He's, our, he's a franchise quarterback at least for the next two years. And if it works out, the Panthers are loving life. They've got a corner that hopefully will be a you know 10-year NFL vet, if not longer, six-time Pro Bowler, that type of thing. That's what you hope for. And, and so to me, like in Denver, they've got Teddy Bridgewater and uh, Drew Locke. They have no quarterback, <laughs> zero. Uh, San Francisco, like they're fine because if Trey Lance ends up panning out, uh, but then they got Garoppolo, so they've got a mess on their hands. Like So now they got to figure out what they're going to do unless they clearly say, hey, Trey Lance is going to sit here for a year. But then to me, it's like, why did you spend that third, that third pick on him? So I'm not fully bought in on that, on that situation. But I will say, leading up to the draft, 
I, I couldn't wrap my mind around the idea that the 49ers traded up to get Mac Jones. I was like, there's no way they're taking Mac Jones. I just, I couldn't get there. And then, of course, he would end up falling to New England. I mean, it yeah. was, there was so much that happened on, on, on the first night, especially that, like, it was so predictable. It was like, yeah, of course that would happen. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And, and so I think I, I appreciate the Trey Lance pick because you feel like, okay, he could be a home run type of guy. Uh, the potential there. I just didn't understand it for San Francisco, but apparently I, I guess John Lynch must've just been so sold on him that as soon as he saw his, his workout at North Dakota state, he's all in. Um, I, I assume that was the case, but, uh, but that's still to me, it doesn't all add up, but now you got Garoppolo. You got to figure out where to go with him. Well, now new England, they're not going to get him. They're, they're not, they got Mac Jones. They got Cam Newton. Um, I'm not sure if they, they probably kind of a similar situation. You got two QBs. You don't have one. What are you going to do? Unless they're, they're all sold that, that Cam Newton can ride it out this year and, and you let Mac Jones develop. So that'll be an interesting one to, uh, to follow as well. <laughs> I, think um, it'd be, I think it'd be so fascinating if <laughs> New England was trying to mimic the Kansas City, uh, Alex Smith, Patrick Mahone situation. Let's have Cam Newton, the opposite type of quarterback, Pour into Mac Jones, who's a pocket pocket passer, accurate passer. That would be a disaster. So, oh, yeah, but, that, that yeah. You know, it's kind of confusing. I will say it's a little it's a little confusing, but I wasn't surprised at all that Mac Jones wanted to go there. He was glad yeah. he fell there. But but I'll say this: to me, he is now the he carries the weight of being the heir apparent to Tom Brady. Cam Newton did not. Like he, he, to me, Cam Newton is not the heir apparent to Tom Brady. He just is a stopgap guy. He, Cam's already done enough to have a, like a, an awesome career. Like what he accomplished in Carolina, phenomenal. Took the Panthers to a Super Bowl. You know, you could question a couple things here or there about his personality and all that sort of thing. But he was great for this city. And, and so for him to go to New England to kind of extend his career, that's fine. But Matt Jones, he now puts on that, that weight of having to follow in Tom Brady's footsteps and live up to, well, we saw what Bill Belichick did with Brady. Just imagine what he can do with Mac Jones. And I think that's really hard to do. I really do. He's built for it, though. Played with Saban, who is similar temperament to Belichick. Belichick. And he followed Jalen Hurts in Tua. He had, like, he, any quarterback, like, he... He's already it's already ingrained in him a little bit. I, I I think he has he has the mental fortitude to succeed in New England. It's just a matter if he's good enough. But mentally, yeah. I think he can handle it. All right. So let's let's figure out if there are any trends over the years. So all right, Steve Young followed Joe Montana, Aaron Rodgers followed Brett Favre, Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, Daniel Jones, Eli Manning, Jeff Hostetler, Phil Sims. Um, and then you look across the board and like Todd Collins after Jim Kelly, Jay Fiedler after Dan Marino. Um, let's see, uh, Lamar Jackson after Joe Flacco, which is a stretch to put Flacco in that same conversation. Uh, <laughs> let's see, uh, Justin Herbert, Philip Rivers, Brian Greasy, John Elway. So it's just interesting to, to look back at some of those, those names. Um, Jameis Winston now gets the chance to follow in, in Drew Brees's footsteps but to me I don't see I don't compare that because we already know who Winston is I think it's different when you're drafted to replace the guy 
And I think it's really hard. That's why Brian Greasy, it was so difficult. Like it just when you when you're oh you got to live in the, in the shadow of that that quarterback. I think it's 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 very difficult. Now when you're Andrew Luck and you're like a can't miss guy, and when you're uh, Aaron Rodgers, they just got lucky. Like to me, the Packers that was just like he fell to him. That was just a wonderful situation, um, and he was kind of the right fit there. But that's the rare 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 occasion, and I would argue that Jordan Love will not be that. I do not think that Jordan Love will fit in as well as Aaron Rodgers did following Brett Favre. So that's just my my personal take. But any thoughts on the, the, the guy following the guy? Dak Prescott following Tony Romo. <laughs> <laughs> had to, had a shot. But no, I I I think you're onto something because Dak was not drafted to replace Romo. He only I mean Dak was a fourth rounder. Like a fourth he's rounder, a, hey, we're gonna sure. draft a a, a a competent guy. He's going to be where hopefully he can develop, be, be a good backup. Like Dak was never like Romo still had years left and then injury. And then Dak dominated the preseason and they, and they, they went with him. It was like, Hey, we're going to start Dak. And then he yeah. took off. So Dak never had the pressure to, he was not drafted as that guy. So I, I think you're on to something like if we think to our, like our own lives, like, how we walk into a situation mentally dictates a lot. So if you're a quarterback yes. and you walk into a situation knowing that this franchise is coming off decades of success and now they lost their guy and I'm supposed to be the heir to the throne, man, that is some pressure. But if you walk in pressure-free, hey, they don't expect me to do a ton. I can go out and just sling it around. I can go out and, and play my game. And if it works out, it works out. That is a way more comfortable situation to walk into. Absolutely. That's why I don't think it's as, as much of a slam dunk. Like the pick for Mac Jones was a great pick. But Good again, will it, will it play out as, as great as they expect it to? I have a tough time believing it. I, re I really do. I just think, I, I think to your point about the pressure, I, I think it's tough. Even though he probably can sit a year behind Cam Newton, but again, to your point, that's a different type of quarterback. And yeah, I'm not totally sure different. That. We'll have to see if Cam is that kind of guy. Uh, he hasn't necessarily been put in that position to like, you know, mentor and, and train the guy that's going to replace him. How does he handle that? Because not everybody's set up for that. Um, so you know, even a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick, who you thought was that guy last year, he goes, "Wait a second, I'm playing great, and I got to hand this off to Tua? Are you kidding yeah. me?" And then he leaves this year and goes, no, I'm going to go be a starter. Now, will he remain the starter in, in Washington? We'll see. But uh, but it's tough for those guys to have that mentor role. And uh, and even Joe Flacco. Is Joe Flacco, right. like at this stage of his career, Joe Flacco should absolutely be that guy. I'm not sure he's willing to be that guy. So so it's, it's a lot of dynamics. So a lot of dynamics with the quarterback <laughs> position. And uh, it's going to be fun this offseason to kind of keep an eye on all that. Um my last thought on the draft, and then we'll we'll jump to to tap drill and, and wrap up the show. Man, this show is flying by. Um, so I always look at you know the offseason through the lens of fantasy football. And selfishly, I can't believe that the Jaguars drafted Travis Etienne in the first round. Oh. Like I so one of the great storylines of the of the draft was the reuniting of college teammates. Yeah. Pretty cool. Right, we we had you know the Alabama connection in Miami and Philadelphia, uh, and then and then of course the the Clemson connection in in Jacksonville and Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Yes, yes, the LSU connection there. 
So, so some, some really cool dynamics and, and you bring a receiver, Hey, this guy worked you know, well in, uh, uh, together in, in college. Hey, why not try it in the NFL? Same even with the Panthers, uh, with, with their draft pick, uh, of the wide receiver, uh, from LSU, uh, what's his name? Terrace Marshall. Terrence. Um, and so, so yeah, so that was another Joe Brady. So Joe Brady reconnecting with his former wide receiver. Um, but, but selfishly, James Robinson has been the running back in Jacksonville. I am in a keeper league in fantasy. And last year, James Robinson went undrafted. I could have kept him as a 16th round draft pick thinking he's this workhorse back. I mean, he played like all season long. He was incredible for Jacksonville as bad as they were week in, week out. He was reliable. Well, now they bring in a home run hitter and Travis Etienne. What does that mean for James Robinson and his fantasy value? So that was the one pick of the night. At first, it was like, oh, cool. Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne together. Wait a second. What does that mean for my guy, James Robinson? I might not be able to keep him. I might not be able to keep him. On a positive note, TJ Hawkinson is the only weapon in Detroit, and Detroit still has no weapon. So I'll be keeping TJ Hawkinson. So there you go. That is such a fascinating perspective of how to watch the draft. Yes. How does it affect fantasy sports? Of course. Because Dan, Daniel just commented, Daniel just commented, shot to the heart as a J-Rob shot owner in fantasy. That's yep. so fascinating. Oh, wow. Really that's, that's very true. Yeah, because Hawkinson, you're exactly right. If you're it's no like, left, he's the number one guy. He's going to get 13 targets a game. 100%. At least. And especially, it's like a, the ultimate catch-22 if you're a Lions fan, and also, but also have Hawkinson on your fantasy team. It's like, man, what do you pull for? <laughs> We want to load it. We we need more weapons, or I'm, I'm trying to ride out uh, a fantasy football championship. I'm trying to get a ring this year. That's right. Even though I have three guys guarding them, but um, but yeah. So overall, yeah, awesome draft, and and we'll be you know talking about the the ramifications and some of the other dominoes. Uh, and we haven't, even, gosh, we haven't even really talked about Aaron Rodgers. All right, we got to get into Aaron Rodgers because this is such a big story, even though it's probably changing by the moment and where he's going to end up. To me. I was going through the teams. I was hearing, I was even listening to Dan Patrick this morning. The idea of Aaron Rodgers going to Cleveland is fascinating. Like, I don't know how realistic that is. I don't know if Cleveland would actually make that trade, but just the thought of it is fascinating because Cleveland, they're really good. Like they have such a good roster, a good draft from, from what we can gather. They've got tons of weapons on offense. I mean, tons of weapons on offense. If Aaron Rodgers went there, could he could he bring a Super Bowl to Cleveland? I, if you're Cleveland, you go all in on that. Whereas, like you mentioned, teams like the Chargers, you don't give up on Justin Herbert because he's a 10, 10, 15 year type of guy. Like he showed that type of talent in year one. So, like, I'm not sure you're willing to do that. If you're Oakland or uh, Las Vegas, I'm not sure if Rodgers would want to go there. I, I don't think they're close enough. I, I don't necessarily like, I mean, they're okay. They got some young weapons, I guess. But, um, and then Denver. Denver has such a great defense. I just don't trust Vic Fangio as a head coach. Great defensive guy. How would him and Rodgers work out? So anyway, those oh, are my initial thoughts on yeah. that. But I think he's gone. I really do. I think he's gone uh, unless the Packers fire their GM. I think that ship sailed. That last year, because I was all in, I was the dumbest pick, like most people were, to, to draft Jordan Love. Uh, they, they blew it. The, the, to, to, for the Packers to squander this relationship and, and just – only get one Super Bowl with Aaron oh Rodgers. It's, just, it's frustrating to me. I know we've got a ton of listeners that are, are are Packers fans. Tons of tons of people in in the unpacking it community that love the Packers. But I'm sorry, I can't believe they find themselves in this situation. 
to uh, to not only end things so poorly with Brett Favre and then do it again, and then for Rodgers to not learn from the first experience being on the other side of it. It's just all fa- it's all fascinating to me. It really is. Great points. It's so as the Packers franchise, you were incredibly fortunate to luck into drafting one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history. And like and that's that's not even up for debate. Like Aaron Rodgers is one of the oh, greatest definitely. quarterbacks in NFL history. It's not even debatable. He's got a Super Bowl. As a Cowboys fan, I've seen it firsthand. I mean, he's in the ultimate Cowboys heartbreaker. Like he has <laughs> he has shattered my heart on numerous occasions. And it's almost like the Packers so I agree with you. Aaron Rodgers, when he was drafted, when they still had Brett Favre, he should be able to have perspective I when, know. when Packers draft Jordan Love. But the Packers put some weapons around Rodgers, man. Every year we're like, who is he throwing to? And he's still, and then he wins an MVP. Like, who is he throwing to? Outside of like one, like when you when he had Jordy Nelson, then this year, like he's had some good talents, but then there's other quarterbacks who have it's way more talents. It's a little overstated, but I think, the idea, like, I think they've had some guys for sure. You got Devontae Adams, who's arguably the, well, yeah, the best. Well, no, yeah, outside of Devontae Adams, at least for me, I'm watching, I'm like. Yeah, but Tom Brady had Julian Edelman and, and Amendola and all these other guys that were nothing, and then they became something. So well, I, I agree. That, I'm not, like, arguing with you, but sometimes that take, like, I get frustrated by, oh, he never had anybody. But at the same time, why don't the Packers just draft some other guys? Like, no, draft, exactly, exactly. Keep. Keep the cabin full, the the, the cupboard right. full. That's right. So I, I agree you, have, with you, you have Aaron Rodgers. Just keep putting weapons around him because you, you've seen what he's done with the weapons he already has. So give him more. But then it's almost like the Packers, they double down in spiting Aaron Rodgers this year. Like, okay, we'll get Jordan Love. We'll get Jordan Love last year. This year, man, we'll have trade talks. We'll try to dish you. We won't do again what you say. It's just. It's un it's unsalvageable. It's an unsalvageable situation. I think, it is. I think, and it I think is. regarding the Browns, I think it's a perfect fit purely based on jerseys. So here <laughs> here's my take. I always I love to bring in jersey colors because we when we were talking about NFL playoffs, the worst it was the worst jersey Hall of Fame game with uh, Washington playing um forget who they played. The Bucks. The Bucks. Horrific jersey colors in that game. Um We've seen Aaron Rodgers sport the atro- the egregious throwback Packers jerseys with the you gotta tan eliminate pants. That. Oh, it's eliminate so it. it's Jeez. so bad. So hey, he can do that in Cleveland. Cleveland, <laughs> you can never make the Cleveland colors look good. They're the Browns. Like uh, oh. no shot, no shots get the fran- against the franchise, but they will forever be in the bottom quarter of jersey colors. Aaron Rodgers has already s- survived the horrific throwbacks in Green Bay. Hey, send him to Cleveland. Let him keep dominating in bad jerseys. <laughs> and he can handle the weather. It, it's like maybe it's a little fantasy world. I don't know. But to me, it's like the idea of it is pretty good. It's pretty intriguing. It really is. And they've got the weapons to, or and even the draft picks. Just trade everything. Trade whatever it takes. Because to me, I think Cleveland could make a deep. They, they have a full roster. They have they a do. full. They have, yeah, they have every position they need. They just need the big yep. man. They, they do. Uh, speaking of uh, of team colors, so guess what I've been doing with little Maddie? Each morning we go over NFL logos. 
Nice. Maddie is learning the NFL logos. So we point Broncos, Bills, Panthers, Colts. She's doing pretty well. Dolphins, Lions. She knows it. She you knows giving it. Her those mini helmets. You uh, put like on a window seal all the mini helmets. <laughs> That's what I need. That's what I need. I need. I need all of our listeners to send me a mini helmet of your favorite team. How about that? And we'll give it to Maddie. That'd be cool. Um, all right. So let's uh, let's bring in uh, Henry Bienamine from Connecticut. He's been working hard behind the scenes. Uh, let's say good morning and let's do a tap drill to wrap up the show on this special edition. A Tuesday episode of Unpacking It. Uh, Henry, I like the background. Up close and personal. What's up, man? How are you? What's going on? I've been listening listening backstage. Bryce, got a question for you. Do you do you see the entire football season, the entire NFL, through your team, the Carolina Panthers, or through your fantasy football team? Very existential through, question there. It is through fantasy. Mm. However, so my brother Colby he is his favorite NFL team is his fantasy team or his favorite football team is his fantasy team. And, and so my, my, my team is still the Panthers. Like I, I still care more about the Panthers winning. Um, and I, I want to see them win a Super Bowl uh, even more than I've won a fantasy before. So, yeah. So I want to see them win Super Bowl before. Oh, winning. there was there was a pause there that, oh, is, that pause. must be. No, no. There is a pause there that must be addressed. Must be addressed. Uh, you are you are debating a fantasy football ring which i have two of them right here i've got you're, two you're debating a fantasy football ring or a carolina panthers super bowl so i, I must we must address that because that is a fasc, that's a fascinating dynamic here because i i am far less a fantasy person than you are i enjoy fantasy football you are more you are more bought in with with, uh, with the dynasty league, all that stuff. But yes. I feel like fantasy football fellowship here at unpacking it. One hundred percent fantasy football fellowship, all that stuff. Fantasy football, great, offers a ton. I could not pass up the opportunity for the Cowboys to win a Super Bowl, especially given the utter heartbreak my entire life has been as a Cowboys fan. So <laughs> let me just toss that Have to you, you because there there oh, was a pause. wait a minute, wait a minute, heartbreak. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys have five Super Bowls. I think you guys. But will he be hasn't been alive. He hasn't been alive. You because seen but anytime, oh, anytime oh, I try to ride the coat, anytime I, I I try to ride the coattails of '90s the '90s Cowboys, and I get thrown into the fire with that. So I am I am all in on you know what I've never seen success in my lifetime. I will I will embrace that. But man, please, I've had it. I will. I'm holding on to the Mavericks championship in 2011. But besides <laughs> that, man, it has been despair. Wait, wait, uh, wait, Luke, that means you haven't seen a Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl in your lifetime? No, I'm a nine, I'm a 97 boy. Wow. 97. Oh, man. Wow. wow. That's awesome. Good for you. Hey, soak <laughs> it in. Soak it in. Drink the coffee. Uh, I don't even know why you are a Cowboys fan. You should have jumped on some other bandwagon during that no, time. I'm, I'm loyal. Super Bowls. Your whole I'm life. Loyal. Wow. Only a team. Or Tom Brady, I should say. Um, all right. But yeah, no, I would rather the Panthers win than me win, I don't know, my 10th fantasy championship. I've lost mm. count. <laughs> I've won two two key ones. I've won two key ones with the rings. All right. Let's do tap troll. We're running out, we're running out of time. 
Uh, but we got five good topics, five good taps to tap around, a little little fun little stories just to uh, goof around with Henry. Henry, take it away. All right, boys. Let's start with – let's stay in the draft, and we're going to go to Buffalo. We're going to go to the Buffalo Bills, and we're going to go to the third-round pick of the Buffalo Bills. Now, you may not know who it is, but I'm pretty sure all the social media knows. His name is Spencer Brown. He is a six foot eight offensive tackle out of Northern Iowa. And so he had about 40 or 50 people at his draft party. And then when he got drafted, you know, you see all the people, you see the, the shots of all the family members. When he got drafted, it literally turned from 40 or 50 people into his entire town on his front lawn. And so what he did was to ingratiate himself with the Bills Mafia, and anybody knows anything about football, Bills Mafia is the Bills right. fan base. He decided to jump off his, I guess, his awning or whatever the case was. If you if you want to know about it, go Google it. And he went through a table. That's WWE right. Style, <laughs> Embrace it. Put a offensive tackle going through a WWE style table. What is your favorite celebration? Uh, mm. I love it. Uh, I'll say this. The idea when when, a, when an, a player joins a team or a city that fits his personality, oh, it's, it's so the good. best. It's the best because it doesn't always happen. Like you fill a locker room with all sorts of backgrounds and personalities, and they don't always uh, necessarily fit in perfectly to the culture of that team or of that fan base. But every once in a while, it clicks, and so this sounds like this sounds like a winner for Buffalo and Bill's fans are special. They're unique. Bill's mafia. You gotta love it. The bills are relevant. They're good. They're loyal. And now they got a guy who's willing to, to jump through uh through a table. Like their diehard fans do during tailgates. Pretty sweet. Uh, so I, in regards to celebrations, we have, we have to shout out Joe Horn because we talked about JC oh, Horn, right. Joe Horn with the, with the flip phone under the goalpost. And then Michael uh, Michael Thomas redid it. wasn't near as good. Uh, Cowboys, like we've had some great players for celebrations. Terrell Owens was a king of celebrations for a while with the popcorn, even though when he was not in the Cowboys, some disrespect running to the star uh, against the Cowboys. <laughs> uh, and then a fascinating, I think it was Amari Cooper. I can't remember who did it, but someone did the Markel Fultz free throw as a celebration. Oh, which gosh. which was so oh. tough because they did like the the hitch and it was I'm like man that's just poor Markel Fultz anyway I didn't think we were going to talk about Markel Fultz today but <laughs> I don't know how you got a Markel Fultz mention <laughs> you got a Markel Fultz into into a, into a podcast how about yeah. that yeah. all right next um, one we're going to stay in the NFL and we're going to talk about a guy that we all know Tim Tebow now Tim Tebow uh, was a quarterback when he came around the NFL the first time. Didn't quite pan out, but word has it that he went into the ja the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, organization, talked to Urban Meyer, his old head coach, and asked him to give him a tryout as a tight end. What do you guys think of Tim Tebow, the tight end? I am all in on Tebow doing anything. I I'm in. I'm a Tebow fan. Tebow mania still one of the best sports uh, runs that, that I've experienced as a fan. Back in, I guess it was 2011, uh, that year in Denver. I mean, that was must-watch TV. It was thrilling. It was, it was unbelievable. But to me, the life that Tebow lives, the example that he is, he lives out his faith. Keep him around, whatever it, whatever it means. Now, 
if he's going to try out a tight end, he, be, he better be able to play. But but I, I think it's worth a shot. I think it's a little questionable when it comes to how will the other players in the locker room, uh, will they lose respect for Urban Meyer if he just goes off after his guys? You know, he got mm. Carlos Hyde and, you know, got di- different guys to, to come in uh, that maybe he coached or has been a part of uh, in, in previous years. That's sometimes questionable when college coaches take over. Uh, Matt Rule's doing it in in Carolina. He's been adding guys, but some of them have panned out well, like Robbie Anderson uh, worked out really well. So that's kind of my hesitation with it. But as far as Tebow, he can play tight end. Come on, he can he can do it. He can learn it. He can play yeah. it. If he picked up a baseball bat after all those years and did a lot better than most people expected, he can do tight end at 33, 34 years old. Let's go. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. He, is, he can play tight end. If you're Jacksonville, they don't have a tight end. And for to grow the franchise, Tim Tebow's great for publicity. If you're the owner, you're you love it. An interesting note on Urban Meyer, though, because Urban Meyer said in one of the draft interviews, "We don't want distractions in the locker room," which <laughs> is hard to hard to take at face value given his track record and quite many distractions over the years in various different locker rooms. Which isn't fair. Like that to me, that's like such a bad reason to to not give him a chance. Like I no, understand. I, no, I agree. Right. It's just disappointing that, that 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 becomes the thing. I agree. No, but I'm all I'm a I'm a huge Tebow fan. I think he's great for any sport. Wherever Tebow is, fans come. Obviously, haters come. But he's just so fun to watch. Whether it's in football, baseball, I would love to see him at tight end. It's it's. it's and people are gonna are gonna slam him because oh well people, we've been asking you to play tight end your whole career like no like he was a quarterback he wanted to play quarterback that's fine go play quarterback yeah. he had a playoff win which is more than ninety nine percent of everyone in the world so he I will <laughs> never have that but I love watching Tebow I think he's hope. great for football All right, yes. next time. holding out hope that he said. <laughs> yeah. Next topic, let's go to the NBA. Now, I don't know if you were watching the NBA last night on ESPN. Uh, They had the New Orleans Pelicans versus the Golden State Warriors who are trying to shoot up into the playing tournament. And, of course, Steph Curry is trying to make his case for uh, for NBA MVP. Now, the ESPN2 uh, broadcast was a little bit different. I don't know if you guys are into Marvel. So what they had what was called the arena of heroes and they had certain players on each team representing Marvel superheroes and they made it a tournament style fantasy style tournament. And the guy who wound up winning was Draymond green. And so Draymond green got to take a, got his, um, got a, a comic book cover with him posing with the Marvel superheroes. So my question, Question to you guys is if you're a Marvel fan, one favorite hero. So I am not a big Marvel guy. However, last night's broadcast, I watched it. It was awesome. It was clever. It was catchy. It was absolutely worth the effort to do it. You know, have an alternative uh, viewing option. I love when sports leagues and, and broadcasters are creative. I am all for trying things. You know, even if they fail, like give it a, give it a whirl. What they did with Nickelodeon last year, I thought was great. Yeah. It was fun with the yeah. slime and all that. Keep that stuff slime. going. Do it. Like you still have your main, you know, traditional feed, but we got all these different networks. They don't know what to put on TV anymore because we got all these streaming stuff too. So you got you know, there's a lot of ways that you can do it. 
And, and so I thought it was cool. I especially loved where the name popped up, like, so you knew who the guy was. Because sometimes you're watching, you're like, wait, who is that guy? And they don't always mention who that player is, but they would have like a little graphic that showed who the player was during the yep. play. To yep. me, that's a wonderful feature, whether, whether it's related to Marvel or not. I think that's awesome. Now, in regards to Marvel, so I've seen a couple of the, the superhero movies over the years. I liked Iron Man and Captain America was okay. And I, I did not like Thor. I love Ant-Man, uh, Paul Rudd. I'm a fan of Paul Rudd. So that's my guy. Uh, but I don't rush out. I don't dress up and, and, and get ready for, uh, for Marvel night or whatever. Um, but good for those guys that, that do. But I, I don't have any Spider-Man tights laying around the house. I'm sorry. Um, wow. You so have you have painted two opposite ends of the spectrum here. You either can only watch a few, or if you watch them all, dressing up in Spider-Man tights comes with comes with the package. <laughs> You've got to. You've got to. I, so I'm out. I'm out on that. I you know Batman's cool. I like the Dark Knight movies. Those are great. But I don't mm. know what Marvel. I don't know what DC is. I don't know. I never. I've. I don't even know if I. Maybe once I've opened a uh, comic book. Now I've still got all my trading cards growing up from sports, but I. I just didn't get into the. So I'm not. Listen, I know we got listeners that love it. I got friends that love it. Okay, great. That's awesome. My brother Trey likes some of the the, the Marvel stuff, but for me, I'm. I'm just not into it. But bringing it into the NBA last night, hey, that was cool. That was. You're, you're a realist. You're a realist. You don't have time for that. <laughs> yeah, stuff. kinda. I was even. Yeah. I was even talking to Jody this week, like. I don't necessarily like every action movie either. Like I'd rather watch a, a real life type of movie. Like sometimes the, the action movies to me, it's all the same car chase. I, for me, I just, it's just not, I'm not, I don't know. I don't know why. Yeah. Give you, give you a rom-com. You're like, give me a rom-com. Let's go. <laughs> all right. I love you, man. Uh, <laughs> all right. One more. Let's do one more. We're going to go into the world of baseball. Now we have, Oakland Athletics uh, relief pitcher Jesus Lizardo. So now you know how guys do when they're in the when they're in the clubhouse, whether they're before a game or after a game. They bring their Xbox, they bring their PS5, whatever gaming console that they prefer. So he's sitting there. So he's sitting there in his locker. He's playing the game, and what happens is that I don't know what brought out this uh, this emotion. So he decides that. Whatever was going on wasn't in his favor. He bangs on the table while playing his game, and now he's on the now he's on the injured list because he broke his thumb. Oh, what a knucklehead! Wow. Oh, I hate to say it. All right, so now that I am thirty four years old, God continues to change me, mold me, shape me. Uh, now that I have got little Maddie, I'm a lot calmer. But when I was growing up and I was playing video games. I was the worst. I would get so angry when I would lose. I would slam my controller. I would throw it. I would I would do very hurtful things. It was not very nice. And I don't know if I ever broke my finger, but but uh, Trey, my youngest brother, he would beat me in video games all the time, and I would get so angry. I would get so angry. And so I just had to retire from video games. That's my <laughs> recommendation. In order to avoid any injuries, I'm out. I'm out on video games. I can't handle it. So were you, maybe, uh, maybe, were you, were you turned the game off at halftime if you were a losing guy? Um, no, I would make excuses for why I was losing. I would say, mm. oh, this, there's a glitch in this game. There's a glitch. Something's yeah. wrong with this game. I don't know. My, my controller's not working. This is, there's no way that I would, sh I should be losing this game. 
This is a stupid game. This, this game was poorly made. This game was poorly manufactured. So I would just shift the blame. I, I'm not surprised at all, given the, the previous stories of you as a fan of chirping away at a Duke UNC game, <laughs> stealing the T-shirt from a little kid. Man. Uh, I, God, God's got to work on me. I, gotta, I still got a ways to go. I've, I've, I've gotten better at a few things, but basically I've, I've stopped playing video games and stopped playing basketball. Because once I step into either arena, it's not good. And I stopped going to games. I just stay That's, right. That's what the man cave was for. The man cave is, right. is really just a fortress to, to retreat to instead of going to, to games in person. The fortress yep. of solitude, as it were. That's it. <laughs> well, we've, uh, we've gone long, but great stuff out of Henry. Appreciate all your hard work, man. Uh, another fun show here on Unpacking It. Luke, you're the man. Great work. Uh, as we wrap things up, I let people know I'm Bryce. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I'm, I'm broken in need of a savior. Uh, I'm thankful that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected. And through faith, I have been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well. And I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together, growing each day, changing each day, looking to him, the author and perfecter of our faith. And, and so I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Uh, Thank, thank God and praise God that uh, Jody is okay uh, after yesterday's uh, situation that we had to end up at the emergency room. And so we're thankful for that and glad to be with you on this Tuesday. Thanks for your patience and thanks for your support as a listener. And, and be sure to check out our website, unpackingit.com. We got a devotional that will go out today. Unpack this about when you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterback. And in life, when we serve two, we can't serve two masters. So we can't serve God and money. So I'll be writing about that uh, later today. So be looking out for that. We'll be back, hopefully, Lord willing, next Monday, 1030 a.m. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, wherever else you can find us. We're always on the podcast. Check that out. If you didn't listen to the podcast with Tom Allen, Indiana head coach, highly recommend that one. Go listen to that right now. He was awesome. Phenomenal. Phenomenal guest. So we appreciate him being a part of the show as well. For Luke, for Henry, for Chris, I'm Bryce Johnson. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It Live podcast. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.